After Jesus finished saying this, he looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Give glory to your Son, so that the Son may give glory to you. For you gave him authority over all people, so that he might give eternal life to all those you gave him. And eternal life means to know you, the only true God, and to know Jesus Christ, whom you sent. I have shown your glory on earth. I have finished the work you gave me to do. Father, give me glory in your presence now, the same glory I had with you before the world was made. I have made you known to those you gave me out of the world. They belong to you, and you gave them to me. They have obeyed your word, and now they know that everything you gave me comes from you. I gave them the message that you gave me, and they received it. They know that it is true that I came from you, and they believe that you sent me. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those you gave me, for they belong to you. All I have is yours. And all you have is mine. And my glory is shown through them. And now I am coming to you. I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. Holy Father, keep them safe by the power of your name. The name you gave me. So that they may be one. Just as you and I are one. While I was with them, I kept them safe by the power of your name, the name you gave me. I protected them, and not one of them was lost, except the man who was bound to be lost, so that the scripture might come true. And now I am coming to you, and I say these things in the world, so that they may have my joy in their hearts in all its fullness. I gave them your message, and the world hated them, because they do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world. But I do ask you to keep them safe from the evil one. Just as I do not belong to the world, they do not belong to the world. Dedicate them to yourself by means of the truth. Your word is truth. I sent them into the world just as you sent me into the world. And for their sake, I dedicate myself to you in order that they too may be truly dedicated to you. I pray not only for them, but also for those who believe in me because of their message. I pray that they may all be one. Father, may they be in us, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they be one so that the world will believe that you sent me. I gave them the same glory you gave me, so that they may be one just as you and I are one. I and them and you and me, so that they may be completely one, in order that the world may know that you sent me, and that you love them as you love me. Father, you have given them to me, and I want them to be with me where I am, so that they may see my glory, the glory you gave me, for you loved me before the world was made. Righteous Father, the world does not 
not know you, but I know you. And these know that you sent me. I made you known to them, and I will continue to do so, in order that the love you have for me may be in them, and so that I also may be in them. Chapter 17 of John is the whole prayer as John recorded it, and um, it comes at the end of chapter 16 where Jesus said, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Chapter 17. Jesus spoke these words and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Earlier in his ministry he had said, My hour has not yet come. told his mother, My time is not yet. And so now here we are in his life where it's time. It's time for him to go to the cross and be crucified for our sins. But being who he was, knowing the end from the beginning, and for the joy set before him, he's going to endure the cross, despising the shame, according to Hebrews 12. He, in his prayer, jumps beyond the cross to the future. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that your Son may also glorify you. Glorify your Son, that your Son also may glorify you. When did the Father answer this prayer? When he raised him from the dead. Christ was glorified, and when he ascended into heaven, and gave him all rule and authority, and seated him at his own right hand. So the Son has been glorified. But between the glory and where he was, there was the gory we go through. Sometimes when you're going through a trial, you got to look beyond the difficulty. Keep your eyes on the prize. Keep your soul focused on the goal. And Christ did that here. Glorify your Son that your Son also may glorify you, as you have given Him authority over all flesh, that He should give eternal life to as many as you have given Him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Verse 4, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. The real Jesus preexisted Bethlehem. And is referring to that. So in his prayer, he's remembering where he came from, and he's focusing on where he's going, and yet he's got a horrible trial to go through. And then he begins to pray for his followers. Verse 6, I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now, Before we focus on the details of the prayers, I'd like to jump towards the end. Verse 24, he said, Father, I desire that they also, whom you gave me, may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which you have given me, for you love me before the foundation of the world, O righteous Father. So in this prayer is a desire for something that has never been. 
Humanity has never been in heaven. And Christ came from heaven, lived a perfect life, died for the sins of the world, an unjust death, not deserved by him, so that those who who deserve to die could receive what they didn't deserve either, and that is eternal life, so that they can be with him. And so he bridged the gap between heaven and earth on the cross. Being God and man, he died for our sins and has risen from the dead for our justification so that we can be with him in eternal relationship. So in this prayer, he prays for the men now, focusing on the men then. And he cares for us now, and he cares for us then. We live in the now, we live in between the now and the not yet. And in that tension, you got to live in the now. You can't be so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good, but you can't be so earthly minded that you're no heavenly good either. So we live between the now and the not yet. And so we see this tension even in this prayer. And it's focused on his desires. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me. My title today is Jesus is Desiring. Can we say that? Jesus is Desiring. Now, how can God desire anything? If he already has everything, how can he want for anything? He desires your love. And God does not have it unless you love him. He desires our hearts. He does not have our hearts unless we give them to him. Jesus is desiring. What is it in the desires of Christ that we're going to see in this prayer that we need to also desire, but also we need to realize the importance of his desires being preeminent above our own? So today we're going to look at ten things. Briefly, ten things he prayed for, ten important prayer petitions. There's an insert in your bulletin that has these things. The first thing was he prayed for the Father to keep them. He recognized that the Father had given them to him, but he's asking him to keep them. Holy Father, in verse 11, he prayed, keep through your name, that is, through your reputation, through all that you are, those whom you have given No one can come to the Father unless the Spirit has drawn them, Jesus said. No one can come to me unless the Father has given them to me. What is this? This is God's grace that opens our eyes and allows us to see our need for a Savior and the reality of Jesus and His resurrection that brings us to a place called saving faith. If you've ever come to that place, your testimony may be, I decided to follow Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? And I love to sing that song. It's important that we decide to follow Jesus. But the foundation to all that is we wouldn't decide to do anything unless God enabled us to, to decide and gave us wisdom enough or sense enough to come in out of the reign of sin into the reign of the grace of God and ask for His will to be done in our life. So all glory... Uh, for our salvation goes to Him. Makes me want to shout. Hallelujah. Number two, Christ prayed for them, His followers, to become one. Verse 11, Holy Father, keep through Your name those whom You have given Me, that they may be one. He desires for unity. 
And when his followers are in disunity, he doesn't have unified followers. He wants it. Number three, he prayed for their unity to be like God's, that they may be one as we are one. The Father and the Son are one. They're unified. There's only one God, and yet he's expressed through two personalities, Father, Son, and three, actually, and Holy Spirit, or Father, Word, and Spirit, according to 1 John. Perfect unity, perfect harmony desires for us to be like that. He desires for marriages to be one. A husband and wife becoming one. A wise man once said, oneness in marriage is two funerals and one resurrection. Both people dying to their selfish desires and holding to uh, the joy and fulfillment of the other. Dying to me, living for you. And I think there's a reflection in that in the church. If we are to be unified, we've got to recognize the desires of Jesus above our own. Amen? Number four, the Lord did not pray for their rescue. This might be news to some of you. It may be contrary to something you've seen on TV. He did not pray for their rescue. Verse 15, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. Now, these guys are going to be killed. They're going to be tortured. They're going to be... Uh, uh, slander. They're going to be mistreated for their faith. They're going to go hungry sometimes. They're going to be misunderstood. They're going to be at odds with each other at times. And here Christ is asking the Father to keep them. Don't take them out of the world, but keep them in the world. Make them effective. Now, when he talks about the world in this prayer, what is he talking about? He's talking about the unbelieving world, the world of unbelievers, out of whom he is redeeming a people. Number five, he prayed for their protection from evil. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. This isn't just evil in itself, but from the evil one. Who's the evil one? Well, he's known as Satan. He's not omnipresent. He has demons that work for him. If you don't think they're real, it's okay. The point is, there is something wrong in the world causing people to do insane things. And the experts are scratching their heads every day on what in the world is going on. How do we give people rights and yet insane people also have rights and yet they take guns and kill people all over the place? What in the world is going on? I think there's an evil one at work who has little evil ones working for him. The definition of the word devil is divider. Divider. So anywhere there's division, his will is being done, whether he's working or not. He sets people at odds with each other. He inspires people to spread rumors and to lie and to believe lies. He's at work. And so if we're going to be people who are one, we've got to be on guard against the evil one. It's the Lord's will that we are kept from that. It was part of his prayer, his desire that was expressed. All right, number six is my biggest point. Jesus prayed for his followers to be sanctified by the truth. Can we say sanctified? That means set apart. We'll come back to that. That is to be set apart from the world for him by his word. So it's his word that sets us apart, his truth, even though they had also been sent out into the world. So we are to be set apart from the world, yet be sent out into the world. It's a paradox. Set apart from the world, sent into the world. Now let's just talk about both of them. To be set apart 
from the world is to be devoted to something that is contrary to what is popular in the unbelieving world. To be set apart means to be devoted or dedicated, to be focused. An example in our own community was Dana Vollmer. You know, she made us all proud. She went to the Olympics. But if you know her history, she was set apart from the common teenager growing up. Getting up at 4 a.m. and going to Benbrook so she could practice in an Olympic-sized pool. Set apart in the way she ate and the things she drank and the hours she kept when she slept and when she worked and uh, uh, worked out and going to homework. Anyway, it paid off. To be a champion like that, you've got to be set apart for a specific purpose. So it is Christ's desire for his followers to be set apart for his purpose. And yet we're not just apart. We're not going to live in some commune somewhere or retreating to some kind of tribulation cave. But we're to be effective for him in the unbelieving world. Now some people would like to work for a church or work for a ministry. And those that do can tell you it's not all Fun and games, no matter, work is work. It's not God's will that we live in a Christian bubble, but that we live separate from the world in the world. This is his prayer, this, that this, this paradox is fulfilled in our lives. Look at what he said when he prayed in verse 17. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. The truth of God's word is what sets us apart. It's, it's not lies. It is true. It's truth that saves us. Truth in itself is good, but the truth of God is even better. So if we're going to be set apart from the world, we've got to be sure the things we believe are true, the things that come out of our mouth are true, that we never spread rumors because that causes division, that we don't repeat things that we heard. If you hear something that's not good, you try to, try to find out the truth. You can hear something horrible about somebody that would damage your relationship with that person and you don't have unity with that person because of something you heard that could be totally false. So may God give us wisdom to be set apart from a world full of rumors and gossip magazines and, and all those, those uh, crazy uh, shows about what popular people are doing and all their scuttlebutt and somebody slapping somebody in an elevator and all that stuff. That's what the world is obsessed with that stuff. But we're to be focused on the things that are true. And uh, love covers up a multitude of sins. And whatever happened in that elevator, that's a sad thing. Let's let that family deal with it. God knows we've got enough on our own plate to deal with. Amen? He prayed, as you send me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I set myself apart. I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. Christ was devoted so that we could be devoted. This is his desire. This is his longing, his yearning, that we be different from the unbelieving world, that we be people who are passionate for the things that are true. Number seven, he also prayed for all future believers. That's us. Who's... Anybody raise their hand that's glad about that? He prayed for us. Jesus prayed for us. This timeless prayer, verse 20. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as we are one. 
So he's there with these 11 disciples because one is abandoning him, going to betray him, Judas. So he's there with 11. He's been praying for them. You saw in the movie, he may have been laying hands on them while he was praying for them. I don't know. The Bible doesn't say he did or didn't. But then he switches from praying for them to pray for those who would become believers through their word. John 3.16 was written by John, said by Jesus, but related to us through John's word as, re- as recorded in the Gospel of John. Matthew was in that group. Peter was in that group. Luke somehow got included. I'm not sure where he fit in. But through their words, we have become believers. So Christ is praying for us. And what's his concern for us? I mean, this is the first recorded prayer of him praying for you and I. Praying that we would become one. That we would be unified. And he prayed for this unity to be ongoing. That they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be one in us. Now, the unity in the Godhead, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are in unity for eternity. And so this is the kind of unity he wants us to have, to be one in Christ. Not just when we feel like it, but always be committed to walking in unity. Uh, Paul wrote in one of his letters, as much as depends upon you, as much as depends upon you, walk in peace with all men. Sometimes you can't do it. People won't let you do it. But as much as depends upon you and I, we're to pursue peace. We're to pursue unity with one another. Number nine, he connected this to fruitful evangelism. Look at this. Verse 21 again. That they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may be one in us, that the world may believe. There's somehow a connection between our being one and the world believing that the Father sent Jesus. And he hits it again, verse 22. The glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me that they may be perfect in one, that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. There it is again. The world knowing that the Father sent Jesus and the world knowing that that the Father loves them is related to our being one. This is a key to effective Outreach and fruitful evangelism. Because if we don't get along, we have no credibility. I was having dinner at Chili's one night and wound up speaking to a guy who was by myself. He was by himself. And we had a, a conversation. And he found out what I did for a living and where our church was and all that. And he says, if there's only one Jesus, why is there so many churches? What he saw as disunity discredited our witness. So I was able to tell him about the unity we have in this town that's uncommon for a lot of towns between churches. You know, if, if people church hop, pastors call each other and, and make sure, you know, that sheep are cared for. Um, if, uh, 
There's an opportunity to do outreach together. More than one church often does things like that. I remember over the a few years back when we were at Country Love Theater, I guess it was like 12 years ago, 25 churches banded together and distributed thousands of videos door-to-door, hand-delivered in this community, raised thousands of dollars to do it. It's a great witness when we do things together. So as it affects churches and relating to each other, what about churches within itself, church members within themselves? If we're fighting and squabbling and spreading rumors on one another and, and stuff like that, what does that do to our witness? It just totally discredits us. Jesus isn't real to a world that sees a church that doesn't walk in love. But the Lord help all of our relationships to be healed with people that are members of the church you attend and people that used to be members of the church that you attend. Because in this town, you're going to see each other again. You just are. <laughs> in the big city, people can get mad and stomp off. You never see them again for the rest of their life. Hope God's taking care of them. Here, you're going to cross paths. And uh, it's an awesome thing to walk in the fulfillment of Christ's desires. These are the things he wants. He wants our outreach to be effective, our evangelism to be fruitful. He wants his people to be one. He, one of his names is the Everlasting Father. Unto us a child is born, Isaiah 9, 6. Unto us a son is given. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace, the Everlasting Father. In the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Like a father, he loves his followers. He's fathered us spiritually through providing the way for us to be united with the Father through the offering of the cross, so he cares about us. What wise parent is happy with children that are not getting along? Sibling, sibling rivalry is a grief to any parent that loves his or her children. Even more so heart of Jesus. Number 10, Jesus desires for us to be with him. This is something that has never been. Father, I desire, verse 24, that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory as you has given me. For you love me before the foundation of Let's pray. Lord, I pray that these words would sink deep in our heart, that our desires would line up with your desires. Lord, that you would make us passionate for your truth, wholehearted for the truth, and a representative of all that is true about you and your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus is desiring. What are you desiring? Our desires are many times way up here, and his desires are kind of down here. They need to switch. When I'm going off about my desires, it's easy to envision Jesus going, Alan, this is the road less traveled. God's desire for us is what it's all about. I walked into a Christian bookstore years ago and saw a huge display right in the middle of the store. You could not miss it. 
an attempt to sell a book entitled How to Get What You Want. This is the actual title. How to Get What You Want from God. What is that? That is marketing. I didn't buy the book because I didn't like the title. But that is marketing to our base desire, selfishness. Our grandson's learning to talk. And his first two words beyond hi and mama are no and mine. Mine. Get mine. That's the, one of the first things we learn as a kid. That is the spirit of the world. Mine. And we are all on a road that's less traveled. Some of us are further on it than others, but it's time that we get with the program where we get off the mine train Get on the His plane. Amen. It's all about Him. Pursuing Him. This is your best life later. His life now. Amen. Pastor Shake. I want to pray again. Lord, I pray that these words would reverberate in our hearts that they wouldn't just be another sermon, but, Lord, that your prayer would be seen. This is your heart. This is your desire. These, this is important things. These, this is what you ask the Father to do. Lord, help us to line up with your desires, what you want, Lord. May we, may we crave for what you yearn for and provide what you long to see. Lord, we repent of selfishness and waywardness. Bring us to a place of fresh, long-lasting surrender. Lord, I pray that there would be an epiphany in hearts today, that people's eyes would be open. Oh, it's not about me. It's about you.